2: Bernstein and Hopes. I hate being a fan of this team. On Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score.
0: Oh, I'm not uh, really talking or focused on his critics. Like we all sit here uh, because of him, obviously. So it's just him. Like
3: when you think of him, <clears throat> what kinds of characteristics come to mind?
0: Uh, steady, dog, um, just football player. Was football player. I love playing football with him, um, and he, hes the reason why I'm sitting here today, feeling like I have opportunity this weekend um, to play my best football because a quarterback him like him.
2: That's Brandon Ayuk talking while playing the piano. I bet you didn't know. Just great jazz pianist. I was all, very impressed. Does, does his interviews while the tickling the ivories. I wonder
1: if Brandon Ayuk's story is going to be one that gets a spotlight because he was a zero-star recruit hmm. in high school that was playing corner, and I think he played one year of high school ball and he played at corner. And most places wanted him to play corner, and Arizona State was mm-hmm. one of the only places that said, "Come play." Wide receiver for us, and then it took him, I think, two years to get on the field yep, down I was, there. I was
4: calling his games back then. Yep, he was a very kind of slow starter early in his career. Had, had that, and we made the comp pretty immediately. He had that Debo Samuel type of vibe to mm-hmm. him. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? You know how much nuance is there to his route running? The hands aren't the most natural. When he gets the football, there's potential for something big to happen. When he got it, he just didn't quite know what he was doing at first. Now that we're here, now that we are in Super Bowl week. What are
1: the things like? Let's say, from the perspective of the 49ers, since we were talking about Brandon IU, mm-hmm. he's
2: only 25. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of ball left. Wow. A lot he's, of I think growth
0: in <laughs> <laughs> He is
1: younger than Bayless Jones. <laughs> well, what do you think is important for San Francisco in this matchup against Kansas City?
4: They really haven't played well yet in the postseason. And I don't know if. In theory, having a week off beforehand should maybe help with that, but it didn't help before the first playoff game. And this is, of course, the the best opponent they'll have faced so far. But the 49ers just really haven't played well here through their first couple of postseason games. And yeah, Brock Purdy is certainly part of that, but the team as a whole, I don't think has necessarily been the the just the dominant outfit that we've seen them throughout much of the regular season, certainly the second half of the regular season. So I don't necessarily think a fast start, is necessary, but but big moments, you know, moments of efficiency and consistency, even if they lead to punts, but just some early success, even if it doesn't lead to touchdowns. But it, it just seems like a squad that hasn't had a lot of rhythm here in the playoffs. And and then just the, the big-picture story of whether or not Kyle Shanahan, between coordinating and head coaching, you know, he's got a, another quarterback that the feeling is he's getting the, the best you will ever see out of his current QB and then if they go through this game and, and one of the greatest of all time where the coach, quarterback, whatever, if the Chiefs make this happen and the 49ers don't win it, then how quickly do, do we start to turn on Kyle Shanahan, who is, who is obviously one of the best coaches going right now in football, but if this is another Super Bowl where he comes up short, and especially if it's they've got a lead in the second half and they give it up, then how quickly do we, do we start to turn on Kyle Shanahan? I'm very curious Well, I think about we that. need to
2: see how it goes down, and I, I'll be interested to see in those scripted plays – what he tells us he's looking for. Because mm-hmm. at least with Shanahan, unlike some, I know that he knows how to read that script. Mm-hmm. He knows how to use those plays yeah. and and know that when the second half starts, he's filed away. This is how they responded. I can show this formation and I can do this. That I, I at least trust that from him. So I'll be really interested to see how he probes early on with formation, with pre-snap movement especially.
4: And to to be able to use you know these movable chess pieces that he has access to, it, it's a part of what makes his system special because he can key in on the versatility of his players offensively, and then to your point, file away. How did the defense react when we lined up McCaffrey in the backfield and then motioned him out? They can or line went, anybody up anywhere. Yeah. When, right. all, when then, all
2: of your receivers can be running backs and uh, all of your yeah. running backs can be receivers, yep. that makes you really dangerous.
4: Even Yusech can be, can be a receiver in, in and a their good offense. good one. Exactly. Like that, right. that
2: play that he made. The toe on the tapping over line? near the sideline.
4: Yeah, right. They can all do those things. And so it just it, it makes them so difficult to decipher how they're going to attack you. Because so many guys can not only line up in different spots, but then execute at a high level. Like, it's one thing to see. You know, we've seen at times Bears coordinators say, hey, we're going to put this guy in this different spot. We're going to split it- out Blazing game. <laughs> yeah, right. And then nothing's going to work. If the protection <laughs> breaks down. The ball's going to sail. And He's <laughs> and not going to run And a good our route. smallest wide yeah, receiver, uh, Darnell. Darnell Mooney, is yeah. setting yeah. the edge on the player. Yeah, yeah. now, Darnell, yeah. go ahead and be our lead blocker. But it's about the players actually being able to get it done when they get there, whether it's because they've been the, the coach. I, honestly recognizes the skill that they bring to that position or has coached them up into executing it better or just calls it at the right time, the right position, the right situation in the game to get the most out of them. But that type of versatility for the personnel and for the coach who's putting them in those spots, it puts the opposing defense in a bind. So in a way that Kansas City was able to do against Baltimore, where they got the Ravens out of their preferred temperament offensively because they had early offensive success. And so where Baltimore's defense, number one in football, they were getting gassed early by the Chiefs, and then it impacted their offense. San Francisco's defense is going to be important for them early in that game to keep Mahomes and Kelsey, and frankly, the Chiefs' run game, to keep them at bay early, because to me, that's the development of Andy Reid. All the way going back to his time in Philadelphia, Andy Reid has developed as an in-game run schemer and run caller and the willingness to stick with it, even with having a guy who's one of the greatest shot callers and playmakers at quarterback of all time, he's still willing to go back to the run game, especially this season, in a way that I feel like he's, he's sort of departed from too frequently in the past.
1: There doesn't seem to be a good idea for defending against Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Like last week you could make the argument against Lamar. You can go, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to stay back in zone a little bit. We're we're going to try to get there right. with our with our front and we'll make sure that we're disciplined and don't lose gap integrity and allow him to get to the outside. With Patrick Mahomes, he's not necessarily fast, but he's mm. a really good and instinctive yes. runner. And obviously, he's a great passer. So, what do you do if you're the 49ers and say, "What's the plan of attack to try and slow him down?" <laughs>
4: As he's looking to extend the play, because he can make big plays with his legs, but it's it's kind of conceptually as a defense, you want to make the offense, the opposing offense, do the most difficult thing. Do the thing that will, will, you know, sort of that you want to die a slow death, essentially. You can't defend every blade of grass on the field. So if Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you with his legs, that's kind of the lesser of the the five to ten evils that you can face against Kansas City's offense. To me, going... More man coverage is what's going to be key to me in this game for San Francisco to make sure that you don't allow Mahomes and Kelsey to have the comfort of him, you know, of Travis Kelsey finding the, the soft spots in the zone and Patrick Mahomes being able to just dump the ball off to him or Pacheco or, you know, just the the comfort that comes with that. Some quarterbacks, as we know here in Chicago, Justin Fields tends to get more uncomfortable facing zone than he does versus man. Mahomes can carve up any defense, but to me, playing man. Where you at least have you can reroute Kelsey off the line of scrimmage. Where you may have to turn your back to the quarterback more frequently, and Mahomes can certainly, to your point, hurt the defense with his legs. That's not his preferred mode of operation. So yes, he'll extend the play, he'll pick up first downs, he'll occasionally, you know, trick you in and run for a touchdown. But that to me is at least your better option as opposed to having allowing the comfort in the pocket because Travis Kelsey will always find the soft spot. He will always find the hole. In the zone concepts, and you know San Francisco's got linebackers who who are capable of at least being physical off the line of scrimmage oh, and rerouting him. Very much so. There's no doubt. So I think that to me is the preferred route for San Francisco defensively.
2: want to hear something unbelievable that just crossed? Sure. End. This is from John Orand's, uh from, he does uh, sports media news. The Grammy's top TV market from last night was what city? Kansas City.
4: Oh, it wow. It was a
2: 13.6 rating. It is up 86% from last year.
4: So does that mean it's going both ways then? The, the, the Swifties are coming to the NFL and the NFL is the, going to the music
2: industry? The top TV market for the Grammys was Kansas City. Hmm. I'm curious what the, did Did he say what the next market was? Uh, I think he's doing this piecemeal. because I would love like to headlines. know like how much because that that's a huge number. You know for what the, the answer? Every time it's I, a huge number. It's a massive number. The, for some reason, every time I look at one of these numbers, the market that always grabs my eye that that appears is Providence. You notice that? Like, for I don't know why, the, the, the pro, whatever it is, uh, hockey, football, something, you'll see Providence mm. or, like, Richmond or something on yeah. there. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> There's always some weird TV viewing markets that have odd tastes. So I will be curious to see the top ten.
4: At this markets. early part of the year between, you know, having the Grammys, the the Oscars will be coming up pretty soon. We obviously got the Super Bowl where – and the Pro Bowl was over the weekend, the Pro Bowl games. Oh, and
2: speaking of Oscars, by the way, Mr. Holmes, Professor uh, Cinema, did you see how many nominations Asteroid City got? One. None. Damn it. Mm. You said it was going to get all of
4: them. I haven't seen it yet. Is Don't. It worth my time? It's Wes Anderson, yes. and it's going to make. That's why okay. I'm messing
2: with him. Because okay. I'm like, oh, it's going to get all the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh And I I didn't even disagree with you, but maybe, (laughs) maybe finally, maybe people realize that Wes Anderson is insufferable.
4: I mean, I liked his early stuff. It's just, I've stopped watching them because it's just kind of a one trick thing. Like they all look the same. They all sound the same. The plot is very similar over and over again. Oh my God. Early. It seemed clever. Now it want to.
2: Ball bat everybody. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. just, no tick-off. one's likeable. every. They all Flamethrower to yeah. everybody, and it's just
1: like in that movie has so many people that you
2: love in it. It doesn't mm. matter. I know because they're in this twee little dollhouse of a movie. <laughs> yes, that's what I kick it over.
4: Yeah, it was it was cute right, at first, there. but now I, I, I,
2: want I want more. of nothing. I I, I've, more. That, that's been in right? the back of my head for a while. <laughs> you know it's going to get all the awards. you can't get any awards, you're not nominated for any. Kiss my ass. <laughs>
4: But I do think, like, whether it's the Grammys, the Oscars, the Pro Bowl games, people still watch this stuff. Sure. But I think there's so much complaint about them, though. Of course, there's Tracy Chapman and who was it Luke Combs, right? They're doing the hey, fast Graham's car. It was good. And it was really good. But then, you know, you get folks who afterwards are like, who cares about the Grammys? You just get the inevitable social media reaction. of, Why do we care about this? Who cares about the Grammys? Who wants to watch the Pro Bowl games? But millions of people still tune in. For all this stuff, but as opposed to appreciating the kind of the pinnacle of artistry and entertainment and all these endeavors where you you have the awards show or the awards season at the end of it to say last year, this was the best of the best. And so now we're going to honor the best of the best from the previous year or from the history of our sport. But then you still get that reaction afterwards of folks trying to claim they don't care about it when there are millions upon millions of people on an annual basis who tune in for this tune in to see who's got the awards and the ones who have the awards. Who's on the playing surface or who's singing the songs and everybody coming together? Who are the actors in the biggest and best movies of the year? So I I just the, the reaction to these events that all kind of culminate at the start of the following season. I do find it comical that everyone tries to claim they don't care about those items when millions of people obviously do. And they're on social media reacting to the fact that they supposedly don't care.